to hear what it's really like to be a voice actor. It's the VoiceOver Gurus Podcast. Welcome back to another fantastic episode of the VoiceOver Gurus Podcast. I'm Linda Bruno with yet another interesting guest. I'm, I'm happy to say that uh, I'm not recycling some of the old people, not that not people don't want to hear from them. It's just still nice to get some fresh perspectives on the voiceover industry. And I would like to welcome to the program, Matt Colrick. Hello. Hello. Thanks for having me. <laughs> now you're uh, from originally, tell me, tell me, tell me how you started first off, like, where are you born? Where'd you go to grade school? Where'd you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, for uh, more information, my memoirs of uh, <laughs> yeah the early years, uh, high bestseller. Um, yeah. No, I I uh, was born in Australia, and um, I spent yeah spent the early years there, and went to university in Australia, and studying music. And then I was becoming enamored with voiceover around that time of high school and and, mm. uh, and uni. And then I spent uh, a couple of years traveling, spent a year living in uh, the UK, did uh, a bit of, bit of voiceover work in London when I was living there, and then back to Australia. And then in 2011, was ready for the next travel adventure and ended up in Canada and... Of course, uh, through through work friends and uh, um, various VO events, spending a lot of time in the in the US as well. But I'm I'm based here on um, Vancouver Island, British Columbia. Oh, how long have you been there? The whole time I moved to Canada. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I moved to uh, to just outside Victoria, or I moved to Victoria, and um, never left. <clears throat> so it's been <laughs> over a decade now. Which okay. Is crazy. Where, where does that all go? <laughs> so, how do you find? Well, first off, we'll back up. So, you actually got yeah. interested in voiceover in high school and then university. So, you were early on knowing that you wanted to do this. Yeah, uh, I think the the first ways that I came to it, um, I'm sure, similar to many was through animation and video games. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I was in school, I was involved in theatre and, um, mm. you know, doing doing the school musicals, doing plays, that sort of thing. Um, it was, you know, I was very very much uh, an arts kid during that time. And then I, I discovered, oh, yeah, as far as this part of making games and making animation, there are people who have uh, this as a job doing doing mm -hmm. the voiceover end of it and uh so i began you know i guess more on the the fan side of it or you know just geeking out about the medium in general animation mm -hmm. and, and mm -hmm. games started researching it more discovering how things were made and um then that was well that was uh still in the uh <laughs> I don't know how I would describe that time of the internet, but information was not as readily available as it is now. Yeah, so that gotcha. was around 2000 and 2003. Um, yeah. 
so you know it wasn't exactly a you know black hole, but it there you had to you had to search yeah. things out. So I did a lot of digging, and I read. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> and there was a there were a few books out at that time um, that I was able to to get hold of to to learn more about voiceover specifically. And um, then when I was in university, I I started um, delving into it a little more playing around with some some gear at home and linking up with the music technology students at my mm. my music school and you know playing around in the booth uh, and that was that was I think when I really started yeah sinking my teeth into things did yeah. you wind up going to the UK for that to pursue VO no I I just did a little bit of what is pretty common in Australia the the gap year or it's a bit of a ah. It's, a, it's an Australian cliche to go and live in, in Europe and, and <laughs> hang out there and just bum around uh, continental Europe and, and the UK. Um, and so I did that and, and it just it just so coincided with a bit of a bit of a kick in my voiceover career then. I had done some good work in Australia just um, as I was in university. I was doing some commercials and then I managed to snag a, uh, a cartoon series when when I was in Oz, um, and it was you know, wow. it was pretty early on in my career. I'd put in some some performance work, but I um, you know just I guess you could call it a little bit of a break. And uh, and I did that work, but I didn't while I was doing the work, I didn't do any marketing <laughs> through that time. Uh, it was very very early on in my you know my business mind, and so I. I Guess I was in the approach of what is marketing, and uh, <laughs> and then those jobs ended, and then I had no more work, and I was like, right. oh, okay, okay. <laughs> oh, all right, That's and a uh, yep, yeah. So I went and did some travel, and um, then I I ended up more permanently in London, and uh, started doing some local work there through through an agent and through studios in, in London, in addition to still chipping away at building work from my home studio. Now, is it your focus on commercial work and animation or was would you just basically audition for anything and everything? Oh, yeah, early on, absolutely. I, I, I think when I started looking at animation and games as the mediums that I was really interested in, I had some very useful conversations with some working actors at the time who said, oh, yeah, that's all well and good, especially in the context of Australia. It's all, all well and good to want to do that type of work, but there's not a lot of it. So mm. you need to um, supplement your career with doing uh, corporate and commercial, mm -hmm. you know, have a, have a well-rounded um, uh, have a well-rounded career, like have a good, good pie of different types of work. And I, I took that advice to heart. And uh, so I was, I was kind of going out for, for everything. And like many of us, I was, yeah, I, you know, I was working in all the, all the different voiceover areas, IVR, e-learning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I was, and I was happy to, for sure. So was there a particular job that you booked and you were like, oh my gosh, this is it. I've made it. <laughs> <laughs> or what was your first big client? Uh, yeah, I, I think in in Australia, I had been doing um, some some projects online and even doing some uh, some amateur voice voice acting projects. There was a community which 
I don't know if it still exists, but it was around uh, at that time, around the early 2000s. And I was just doing, you know, fan projects and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I was making a little bit of money from from various things. But then, yeah, when I was in university, I um, booked a, uh, a national commercial through um, one of the production houses in, in ah. the city I was living in. And, uh, you know, I was a... <laughs> I was a dirt poor music student, and then I, <laughs> I did this. I, you know, went in and was there for like forty five minutes, and uh, made a bunch of money doing a couple of spots. And I was like, "This is the best! I'm, yeah, I made it." <laughs> and then, you know, back to my original point, I was like, "Oh, okay, I guess I need to find more work." Otherwise, right. that was a that was a one time <laughs> one time thing. Yeah, yeah I, I talk about that too. I had the similar thing. Moved to New York, booked this great job, got all these residual checks, and then I didn't work for six months. So, right. you know, you, and you're thinking, this is it. I made it. I moved to the big city. And uh, then life, you know, slaps you, slaps you around sure. a little bit. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you've been doing that. You've been doing VO for a very long time. I mean, I'm not saying that you're old. You don't look <laughs> old to me. <laughs> um, but um, you started to branch out into production. What else do you do as well as auditioning? Yeah. So, when I when I started going uh, full time um, back in back in 2012, I always uh, embraced working with a, a team, like having a, a team, even how, however big it was, and uh, you know, casual contractors, uh, and that that's that's been an important part of my career, I'd say, from from the early days, and um, for you know, the, the last many years and certainly day to day, the biggest, the biggest part of what I do is voiceover. Um, but I think that the city that I live in Victoria, it's a, it's a smaller and somewhat emerging market. And I found that, uh, in my daily voiceover work, even though I, you know, connect a lot with studios on source connect and do patch sessions and work in real time with creatives, I kind of missed the, um, the, the presence of people and, and mm, that mm-hmm. sense of working in person. And um, over time, I just started following uh, threads that were presented to me of, of working locally here and, and having a audio production business where people would ask me, oh, do you, you know, do you mix spots, blah, 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 yeah. or do you rent out your studio? And I always said no, um, and I don't personally uh, do audio post, but uh, people that I've hired do. And I guess the way my um, businesses outside of voiceover evolved is I just eventually started saying yes to things and thought, mm-hmm. oh, this this could be fun. And, and especially once I factored in the idea of working locally with real people, um, that, yeah. that kind of got me jazzed up and uh, I started to follow that theme. And uh, yeah, it, it, it's led to a small audio audio production company here in Victoria and um, then uh, a small consulting business as well. And um, most of the day-to-day of, of those companies, uh, I leave to my team. And, uh, yeah, that's – I'm not sure if that answered the question, but, that, yeah, yeah, that yeah. was the, the journey of those little little side hustles and it was kind of done off the side of my desk um, mm-hmm. amidst voiceover work. And, uh, then I realized, yeah, the only, the only way to kind of keep the momentum and to, uh, actually serve clients in the same way that I like to serve my clients in voiceover was to, 
yeah, put the resources as far as people power and, and having a having a small team. Mm, that's great. I know, you know, it's such a solitary business, especially, you know, everybody's at home working and it's important to have that, you know, connections. Um, I also work out of a studio too. So I feel you. It's like I, I like to see people. I like to at least have lunch with someone. Um, mm. And it just helps me creatively stay, you know, on my game. And it also motivates me because heaven knows if I spend too much time by myself, I get distracted, I'll do laundry, I'll, you know, feed the cat. So you work from your home studio and an external space as well? I work just from an external space because, yeah, my husband works from home since COVID and he's a very loud talker. And there is no way that I could have um, – he's on the phone constantly because he's in finance. So I love the fact that I can come here and have my quiet. I don't have to worry about landscapers or dogs barking. Um, it's nice. Yeah, it's really nice. And it's also people that I've been friends with for like 20-plus years. Oh, that's fantastic. So, yeah, I feel yeah. I'm very blessed. And I can have students come here physically because I'm on Long Island, so it's a very concentrated area of mm. a lot of people. Um, and people don't have to go to the city. They can just come to our studios and, and get training. Or, you know, we have some celebrities that'll have houses out in the Hamptons, but they'll come here to record their voiceover, which is kind of cool. Oh, very so, cool. Um, yeah, yeah, something. There's something to be said yeah. for that external space, I think, uh, especially for creatives. We're very lucky that we have the ability to work from home. But I, I found, uh, particularly in the early days of building my business in, in terms of marketing and admin and, you know, just the hustle, um, there were some days where it was really hard to just come into the same space in my home, as great yeah. as it was, you know, just uh, to have that flexibility. I just, I found the, I think the repetition and maybe also the convergence of, of home and office, um, yeah. it, it just sometimes cramped my style. And I, I always found myself um, like throughout throughout my career going to a coffee shop or going to a, there's co-working mm-hmm. spaces where you can rent a hot desk. And um, it was almost like, especially when I found that I was doing big blocks of marketing, um, you know, when I wasn't getting as as many sessions and auditions, um, you know, I would, it it was almost like going to a workplace for a specific task. And I found for my, for my personality and my creative brain, that was a very important mechanism to just like remove myself from this creative space. Uh, And then to have a, to have a booth there at where you do it, I, I think is is really useful because now then I eventually found the problem was um, time away from the mic was was a little little too risky with agents and the, and the type right. of work that I do now. It's a bit more faster turnaround. Um, so yeah, to have a to have a booth at the outside space is is really handy. My uh, when I first started out, and you know you know when you're first starting out, you are pushing you are auditioning for everything you are aggressive if you really want to get anywhere and I would wind up working like 12 hours of the day and like I would like at the time where I lived in Philadelphia my studio was in the basement um, and I physically had to just go close the door to go have any kind of life because otherwise you know as small business owners we're constantly thinking of it doesn't end you know nothing the workday you'd love to say that it does but you're still thinking about stuff or you're still waking up in the middle of the night with an idea, you know, but having that, I had trouble with that. So I had to hear my hours. Like I don't work weekends anymore. I used to for a very long time. Um, but to put some, some limitations in place, I guess you can have that work-life balance um, and still keep your mental sanity. You yeah, know, it's, it's absolutely. Important. 
It's I think important. a short-term hustle can be very productive. You know, when you do, when you just, you're in a you're in a zone of productivity and everything is making sense. And sometimes you just have to capitalize on that and work a twelve-hour mm-hmm. day because, mm-hmm. um, and it, and it could be it could be marketing or it could be you know just clearing up your bookkeeping, um, but it, it does hit a limit. I think for any of us as humans where it's just, it's not sustainable in the long term. And, uh, yeah, I've, I've gone through periods of my career where I've felt like, oh, well, I should just be able to figure it out. You know, <laughs> I should just be able to <laughs> do the balance and to, to, um, you know, have any sort of, uh, cheap tricks or tools or yeah. mechanisms was, you know, it made me feel like I wasn't, um, I don't know, strong enough or capable enough of, of huh. like managing my own day. Um, but as I've gone along, I've, I've adopted various um, tools and, and yeah, mechanisms and, and methodologies from books and podcasts to just protect that, that balance between uh, getting the work done, but also gearing down and, and refreshing each day. I, I have not been embarrassed to, to do it as of late. I'm like, whatever works, I'll do it. Yeah. Do you have anything in particular you do now if you know that you need to go like into a focus zone and focus on a particular aspect? Is there anything that you do? Sure. Um, I find that uh, at the moment I, I've actually just got onto a new uh, tool, which I really like, like a piece of software. And um, I, I haven't, used apps for that particular thing for a while, like time management. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just been things that have become ingrained in me, but I've just, uh, you know, I've got a, a five-year-old daughter and, uh, you know, life life is busy and I, uh, I just suddenly found space for this app. It's called... Um, I have to actually look at the name. Oh, I know. <laughs> uh, it's, Please share. It's, it, it's, <laughs> it's called Structured. And... I mean, it's following a uh, tried and tested theme of a um, to-do list, but I really like the way that it um, – uh, so essentially if you have an appointment at 12 p.m. in one day and you, you're waking up at, say, 6 a.m., then uh, it'll actually acknowledge, oh, you have six hours free mm-hmm. between 6 and 12. What do you want to fill it with? And if you've already got a pre-populated to-do list – um, of say, you know, a variety of tasks. It could be admin, it could be marketing, it could be oh. finance. Uh, and you can populate that time with either just uh, say a batched theme. So only marketing, I'm going to do an hour and a half on marketing. And um, just the way the app functions is very intuitive, intuitive as far as how you slip those tasks into the, the time. Mm-hmm. And then if you, once you add that hour and a half, it'll say, okay, you've got, um, what is that? Four, four and a half hours left. Are you going to do anything in that time? And then, hmm. um, what it also will do is it will prompt you to be realistic with your time and say, okay, you've got 30 minutes. Do you want to just take a break? And I was like, oh, yes, wow. yes, app, yes, app. I do I want would to like take a break. To. I think I'll just chew Stru- out. Structured? Structured. Yeah. Structured. Yeah, I have to check that out. Yeah, it's um, iOS and on the computer, and it you know it synchronizes between your devices. Um, and I, I honestly, yeah, thought I wouldn't be drawn to an app like that um, after uh, I don't know feeling a bit of fatigue from <laughs> productivity yes. apps for a while. Yeah, I mean they're great, but I just 
I felt like I'd got, um, at that time, my purpose out of them. Um, and then, yeah, I, I really will try to embrace that um, outside studio space where possible, um, as opposed to my home studio space. Like if I'm just not, if I'm not digging the vibe that I'm writing mm-hmm. for the day, then probably what I do need is to just change up my environment. And um, uh, but yeah, otherwise I'm I'm similar to you. I I don't work on weekends and and uh, just because of family, I will try to. As much as this isn't a nine to five job, I I tend to use the boundaries of nine to five somewhat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I explained to students too. You know, in the early days, just like anything, starting your own business, it's going to take you're going to work some strange hours, especially if you're still holding down a regular job. And then maybe Mm -hmm. the evenings are the only time that you can record or look for clients. Um, You know, it's like that balancing act. Until you can hopefully. So now, did you ever hold a regular job while you were auditioning? Were you also working or were you just right out the gate making money? Uh, I was uh, working for a while uh, as a musician in Australia, um, but, you know, very minimally. Like I was definitely in the struggling artist stage. Uh, And so while I was trying to build my voiceover career, though I tended to make, you know, very sporadic income out of the gate. It just, it wasn't dependable. So any of my nine to five jobs were, were pretty entry level. I am, I am thoroughly unemployable now at this point. Like, <laughs> yeah, right? I, there, there is, <laughs> if this doesn't work out, yes. <laughs> There's no plan B. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. If that, if that was your question, like I did, I, yeah, I, I had, um, day jobs for or um, work that wasn't in the, the voiceover industry on the side. And uh, there was certainly a point where I tried to gear my, like whatever job I took was was very conducive to building the voiceover career, you know, like a, like actors in New York and LA right. and wherever else. Um, and so I would, yeah, I would uh, either get up very, very early in the morning, like before five to, to do um, auditions and get out cold emails and, and that sort of thing before mm-hmm. my job, or I would, you know, stay up later. And then when I eventually made the change to a uh, full-time voiceover, uh, I, I guess I was, you know, it was fortunate timing for me because I was still quite young and, um, unattached, no, no, no responsibility. <laughs> um, and, uh, I made the decision where if I could, though there's no dependability and consistency in what we do for the, for the most part, um, if I could generally count on enough repeat work or, you know, somewhat dependable work, like if I was on a regular e-learning job, if I could count on that um, to make each week what I would have made in uh, basically a minimum wage job in Canada, uh, then that was the point where I said, okay, I'm just going to go full-time voiceover because mm-hmm. yeah, it, though I have the stability of this, this, um, nine to five, um, it's holding me back as far as availability and right. full focus. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I'm, if this just falls flat on its face and I eat dirt, then, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm young. I'll, maybe probably recover from it. You'll find something <laughs> yeah. else. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think you and I both kind of started around the same time in the early 2000s, um, you know, where the landscape was a little different uh, than it is mm. now. Um, and I think 
with you, I know with me, I did start with the pay to plays. I was on voice one, two, three, very early on. Um, mm. And I wound up building up a lot of my first set of clients separate from the agents through there. You had some experiences with the pay to plays too, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Voice one, two, three was a big, big piece of, um, you know, my start. And I think I was one of the, I was probably one of the Australians who uh, um, had a home studio, like a, a small number of Australians who started early with a home studio because Australia is an industry, um, sorry, the, the voiceover industry in Australia is, I think, kind of similar to what LA and New York were for a long time where you have to be in the city physically there uh, mm -hmm. to get voiceover work. And so there wasn't a huge... Um, prevalence of of home studios and right from the get-go I was I took that on board um you know just loving to to tinker around with things and mm -hmm. like it was very appealing mm -hmm. to me and so I think that was in my favor for a while especially being on the the um the pay-to-plays and then reaching out to um to agents globally and and studios that were happy to work with talent remote and then when I moved to to Canada, um, I was certainly in a really strong position to work with people in this time zone because right. if you're in Australia That's right tough. now, it's, uh, you know, it's mm -hmm. what, 7am or 6am. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. Now, but be, yeah, no, being... I, I totally used those, those casting sites early on for sure. To get yourself started. So also the uniqueness of you being Australian and doing an Australian mm -hmm. accent, putting yourself into the American market, that must have been pretty beneficial to give you a little step up, you know? Yeah, Just yeah, it was, a, it was a really good niche to ride for a while. And, um, you know, I, I certainly got a lot of momentum um, pretty early on from it and, uh, you know, just being being hip-pocketed by lots of people as their... <laughs> They're Aussie for the once in a blue t blue moon <laughs> job when a, yeah when a, an Aussie voice was required, and and I like that and I, I still do a bit of Australian work but I um I just being being here in Vancouver is a is a very busy market as well um for animation and commercials and um as as I did this for longer I just I started to think about oh um if I want to work in the higher levels of commercials in the US and Canada, then I, I do have to ditch the Aussie accent and focus on developing um, my US and Canadian, you know, neutral North American. Oh, I want to uh, hear it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it was already pretty strong. And, and I actually, I was working with coaches at the time and, and one of my coaches, Nancy Wolfson, she was like, why aren't you auditioning in a, a like with, American accent. Why are you doing American work? And I was like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to. And she she kind of pushed me, and uh, I I did like a little bit of training uh, just to like tweak the the weaknesses in in the the dialect. Um, but you know, now all these years later, I mean, ninety percent of my work is with a U.S. accent and uh, oh or, wow, or Canadian. Yeah, yeah, like Australian and. And British-ish and international accents is like a smaller piece of, of my pie now. Um, okay. And, and I love that. It's, um, uh, it's, been, it's been a really fun evolution of, of my work. It, 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 meant, um, it meant changing up my honking big kangaroo branding 
so what was that is that that was your branding before yeah down under voiceovers <laughs> and uh just had a giant yellow kangaroo uh, oh that's funny. and uh yeah i found that it was a a barrier for for sure. agents and and you know Limits their buyers you. um and i just had some really good conversations with my representation to like hey what do you think about me just ditching this and and also showing up on recording sessions and and losing the accent in in chit chat um mm-hmm. you know and, and in between in between takes and uh, i got some good feedback on that and that's that's kind of the way that i do it now so I know, well, you work, you're saying now that you do a lot of work with the American accent or Canadian accent. Um, I do some character work, but the way I get into character is I say a line that triggers me into that voice. I'm really bad with Australian accents, so I don't do them, but I would be like, oh, crikey, you know, so that would get me <laughs> into it. Or yeah. Scottish, you know, I'd do something like that. So if you have to get yourself into an American accent, what would you say? What would be a cue for you? Um, or do you have I think one? It's... I mean, you might not. What's that? Or do you have one? You might not have one. I, I do for some um, for some certain types of reads. It's usually like a job that I've been on, or a, you know, something that that really throws me into the space of that that read and that that viewpoint. Um, but I think doing the the U.S. accent is so ingrained in me now that I can I can just you know jump into Turn it. Turn it on and off. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I definitely had things techniques that I would lean on early on, uh, you know, go through all the hard words or, or like I'd have a phrase um, to, <laughs> to throw me in there. And I do, I do a bit of character work as well. Um, yeah. In, in uh, games and, and cartoons. And uh, I, I use the same thing. I'll have like a, an anchor yeah. to just lock in uh, <laughs> and, and voice matching as well. I do a little bit of voice matching. And so I'll, I'll have that, that um, person's <laughs> phrase that is is a <laughs> signature to me. Uh, right. I, I think that's useful. Yeah. So, how many accents do you perform in, like, you know, the character work that you do do? Oh, sure. Um, I don't know if I could tell you off the top of my head. Because um, I. Is it I, easy to I, say what you don't do? <laughs> is that a smaller well, list? <laughs> I, I think it's been it's been really nice. Um, uh like the the way that the industry has shifted to authenticity it's it's meant that um you know accents that just being a ham and being an actor that that um i would always play around with i think a lot of us as actors uh, that you know with certain ethnicities from different countries around the world um we play around with them and now there's just like there's not really a space for us to do that right. as you know as <laughs> caucasian actors which is great i mean i think in audiobooks it's a little different like you still um Can, mm-hmm. you still want to imply that character that region um audiobooks tend to be a little more forgiving as far as the authenticity of accents mm-hmm. um but I, I I do differentiate between the accents that I do for um, for say national broadcast level, and then something that is more charactery, and um, or might be it. I do a British accent that that flies in in the US and in Canada, but in <laughs> to audition for a UK spot that's playing in the UK, uh, I, I'm a little more coy or shy about that. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and so for for you know working in in commercials on the national level um, or promo, um, 
I tend to just stick to US, Canadian, Australian, British, and then uh, I don't know if you've ever <laughs> done uh, had discussions on this podcast about the international accents, like the transatlantic and yes, uh, yeah, trans um, the mid Atlantic, uh, mid Atlantic, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I do mm-hmm. a lot of that, which which I basically just frame as uh, doing a crap accent consistently. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, if I'm doing a bad South African accent, but I use the same rules for the vowels and the um, the yeah. phonetics each time, then I'm like, it's just, it's global, man. It's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you don't know where he's from. And they're like, no, we, re- we really don't know where he's from because that is not, that is not a real accent. Um, yeah, that, that was a request um, that was saying that a voice that you couldn't quite tell where they were from. Mm. It was like a very neutral like it wasn't swayed one way or the other um Mm -hmm. i don't know if you've ever come across that request before oh all the time yeah and it's it's uh huge with with the european market and and certainly you know other international markets outside of um u.s can like we you know west western countries i think um or um english-speaking countries it's very popular to have an accent that can't quite be placed but mm. the most common direction i get is not too american or not too british um mm. and uh it works well for the brands that are multinationals and uh, you know Which have a sense. have a certain standing across the globe where they're known in a lot of countries they don't necessarily want to gravitate towards any place in particular unless they're yeah. doing localized campaigns in each individual country um, then they just want to, you know, they they want to do a catch-all accent, which, yeah, to me ends up being. Uh, I, I usually get directed into something where they'll be yeah. like, "Oh, it's it's a little too American. Um, can you like, you know, make it less American?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Sure, sure." Yeah. Um, so how do you it, make it, it less American? Uh, so the the R sound is the the R. It just gets it gets softened, and then. Again, like that idea of doing a crap accent, but in a consistent <laughs> manner, I'll I'll do an like if I started with an American accent, but then the American guy he's actually German and he he learned English in the United States, so he's like not <laughs> he's not very strongly German, but he's got like this European lilt, but then the American R's are still in there, so it's like you know if you wow. listen to if you listen to podcasts like uh, The Economist and uh, there's a wonderful publication monocle and they also do podcasts and you have there are these incredible um correspondents and journalists and they they are they are living exactly what we're talking here as far as like you know always he lived here and then he lived there and um and i would say actually out of all the um going back to our discussion about the anchor line or like the jump in line yeah uh, yeah i i use so many of those people from like um uh, from those podcasts, if I'm trying yeah. to do a, a transatlantic accent and I'm trying to like get into that zone of of one that I do a lot, and I, I'll just be like, "Hello, I'm Jason Palmer for the Economist," and uh, he's like, <laughs> and you know, he's, 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 yeah, he's kind of British, and it's like we we've been serving customers across the globe for many years. Uh, you know, it's yeah, <laughs> that's great, that's fantastic, yeah. and well, you, you know, there's a big market for it. Um, yeah. In, yeah, out, outside of the U.S. I mean, we see the specs in the U.S. here and there, as, as you said, like that, oh, you can't quite place. She's a woman of the world. He's, you know, <laughs> right. he's a guy that's lived everywhere, blah, blah, blah. 
Um, but that's that's kind of more few and far between, um, I think, in, in US casting. But if you look outside the US and like the, you know, the Source Connect studios um, in Asia Pacific and uh, yeah, Europe, the middle, like EMEA, um, Europe, Middle East, Africa, uh, that that type of work is just littered throughout. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't think it has to be, um, like that's not work that needs to be controlled by guys like me who are from, you know, Australia or, you know, Mm. a a British ish accent. Um, I've encouraged a few, uh, us talent who do have an ear for accents, but they're like, oh, my British accent is terrible. I'm like, use it. Go use it. Like it's, yeah. your yeah. your bad British accent could be uh, a great transatlantic or global accent. Uh, it's it's, and it's really fun. Yeah. Yeah, that's fascinating. I think my most favorite spec of all time so far has been uh, we want a voice we've never heard before. <laughs> so I'm like, well, what do we do with uh, that? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, well, well, that's mine. I don't think I've read for you before. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so do you, do you think that um, – what do you get hired for most? What vocal quality do you get hired for most or what performance style? Uh, it's, it's very interesting. As I started doing more, um, you know, regular English accent work, like U.S. accent work, I um, – a character that for an authentic sounding read that I, I just started to gravitate towards and tended to uh, tend to book a lot in um, is uh, just like a darker, um, or like a, a more attitude. And um, I kind of call him like a lovable asshole sometimes or like, a, <laughs> you know, like uh, there's just like a, a, there's an attitude that I don't as, as Matt, regular Matt, have in my day-to-day life um yeah and it's uh, I, I think dark is maybe overstating it a bit but it's like yeah it's just like a little more edgy side of me and so huh. i think yeah it's like that edgy read um mm-hmm. you know the like in terms of commercials it's um you know we don't care if you buy this but you're probably going to buy it anyway because it's so great um, right yeah i tend, tend to book a lot of that and and uh, then in promo uh, yeah I've, I've sat a lot in like the the um gritty drama um, space and uh, you know like yeah like more more gritty reads and it's just it seems to be this when I do the accent it's like a more comfortable place that that my hmm. voice goes to mm-hmm. and uh, it's a it's also a fun character to tap into yeah. yeah it sounds like it I mean you've been in this business so long now I'm sure there's been like layers of of you know your transformation with your growth of performance maybe earlier on you were booked for a different style and then you've kind of grown with oh, your yeah. talent did you start a different way or were you always going that edgy thing was always natural for oh, you no no it was uh <laughs> uh you know come in and we're yeah <laughs> it's like the bright <laughs> bright young guy yeah. um and I, you know I was a young guy and uh uh i felt positive about the world and now I've since been jaded. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> now yeah. I've seen what was truly – no. Um, <laughs> but no, I, when I started off I would skew towards that towards that younger guy sound and that's, yeah, where I would I would be put. Um, truth be told, I've always enjoyed playing around with different vocal placements and, and um, uh, you know, I love um, mimicry and just like exploring the the – 
the human voice as an instrument. Um, but uh, yeah. now, uh, sorry, yeah, but but in that early stage of my career, it was definitely you know my voice just sat higher and. And, well, you'd uh, have to have a passion for it because of everything now. If you were asked all the different requirements, like you were saying, the character could be... It's almost like you're creating a voice with a history behind it. The character has a history. And so it's like, like you said, he, he lived in Germany for a while, but he also now he lives in America. But, you know, it's it, it, it's, there's so many layers. <laughs> it goes beyond the standard, you know, spec that, you know, we would be requested... To, to try to, you know, fulfill. And yeah, that's, I, you know, you have to have a passion for that to to make it work, which you, you seem to be doing. Yeah, and I think, like, beyond the, the mechanics of the accent and the, the placement of the voice, um, all these reads have to have have to have a, a story. Well, they, they have to be connected to story. That's our job is, is um, you know, t- telling a story, whatever is put in front of us and, and making it, true to us in some way and I think with a lot of these uh you know let's let's call them voices or accents that I that I work in uh a lot of them like where the where this the character sits in me uh or, or that that character has auditioned so many times or you know done so many jobs that there is almost like it's like a a different part of my personality um, or mm-hmm. an experience that I've had in travels. And even sometimes I'm just tapping into um, uh, either a, a person in my life as a, a friend or a family member or someone that I've just randomly met along the way. And um, they left an impact on me as a, you know, mm-hmm. as, a, as, an, as a person, as, as a performer. And then uh, I guess what I'm doing in, in my work is, is just utilizing the either the real story that's there of that person or the story that has just evolved for that character as I've gone mm-hmm. along. And then that that helps me to, you know, make the make the performance authentic and not just putting on a different accent or, or you yeah. know, doing a voice. Um I mean, yeah, our work these days especially, I think more than ever, just has to be rooted in authenticity and you know, dripping with humanity. Uh, and so right. I, I just try to do whatever I can each and every time at the mic to, to make that happen. These are the benefits of getting older because we have experiences. And because yeah. I have younger students who I'll make, I'll say, what do you, you know, I try to give them reference points and they're like, don't know what I'm talking about because I haven't lived their life yet. To be oh, yeah. able to, and I'm always saying, look around you and whoever you have in your life or someone you see at the grocery store and you hear a voice and you see how they hold themselves. It's just a matter of observation and really trying to all right, make fun of people behind their back. That's what we do. You know, but um, <laughs> if it creates your next character and as long as you're not hurting anybody's feelings to their face, um, you know, that's uh, usually what I suggest. But it is a, definitely an advantage to having more experience and, you know. Uh, taking taking the lumps as well as the the fun of this business. Yeah, I mean we've we've seen the the outstanding and moving art that's been created over history by people who've lived very troubled and and dark lives, whether actors, artists, singers, mm-hmm. like the you know the the suffering that they've gone through makes their art what it is. And um, I guess when I was when I was younger. When I was a younger performer, I thought about that and, um, you know, would 
wonder, oh, like, oh, do I have enough, you know, depth in my life to <laughs> make my performances as compelling as, I don't know, like, uh, uh, you know, pick anyone from <laughs> from uh, right. arts in history. But, uh, yeah, do I have that? And then, yeah, as the, as the years went on and, um, you know, through, through good stuff and bad stuff, I, I think uh, just staying tuned in to... Um, what is going on in your life and like always reflecting on it. And like you said, listen, noticing people that are around you and, and uh, yeah, you just really have to stay aware because if you block it out, it's, it's uh, to me, it's wasted. It's wasted fodder. It's, you know, wasted <laughs> opportunity for, for creating. Um, and if something, something crappy happens, I think you just have to live it. Like you have to experience it fully and, and uh Embrace it's it. it's hard for us these days to not dumb it down with or, or try to wash it away with Netflix or whatever else mm-hmm. distracts us. But um, it's as a performer, it's really um, useful to just sit in that stuff. That's key. Well, this is wonderful. Thank you so much. I loved hearing about your experiences, Matt. This is fantastic. Um, and Thank look, you. we didn't even know what we were going to talk about. We wound up talking about all these fantastic <laughs> things, especially your accents and and all the different uh, voices you do. That's that's wonderful. So thank you again for sharing. It's my pleasure. Appreciate Thanks for having it. me. So now you have a couple of websites. You want to just let us know what they are and people can check them out. And I'm going to also post them in the notes too. Sure, yeah. So um, for my, my voiceover work, it's mattcolrick.com. And um, uh, I'm newly back on social media. Um, so I you might find me on some of the, the various socials. Um, and uh, then the, the consulting business I um, own with where we support people with CRMs in particular and mm-hmm. uh, the, the business tools for, for creatives, uh, just kind of taking all the the energy that creatives have and then porting it into the systems for productivity and execution. Right. Um, that uh, company is called Timber Creative. So it's timbercreative.ca. And, uh, yeah, we we um, work with uh, Zoho CRM and the whole Zoho business suite. Oh, fantastic. Wonderful. Well, everybody's always looking for a new CRM to try out. and For sure. <laughs> Yeah. And I'm going to check out Structured. Now you got me all excited about that. Um, I hope it works out. Yeah, I'm, I'm really loving it. to those it. things. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's a neat tool. <laughs> Thank you again. Uh, that wraps up another episode of the VoiceOver Gurus podcast. Um, don't forget we do have workouts happening all the time now that we're back. So make sure you join us for one of those. And uh, everybody have a great rest of your day. Thanks for listening to the VoiceOver Gurus podcast. Real talk about the voiceover industry. Learn more about us and get coaching at voiceover.guru.